Hi, I'm Louisa Boa-Taylor, and this is Future Food, where food trends and new technologies converge. There is a systemic change occurring in our food system. In this podcast, we speak to entrepreneurs, investors, chefs, farmers, and others defining that future. Hello, hello, it's me. You probably thought the Future Food podcast was dead, and it kind of is. I Hopefully, some of you listened to the New Food Order podcast, which... I produced alongside um, the lovely Danielle Gould of Food and Tech Connect. But I am back for a special episode and potentially with few might come out in the following months. But this one is today with Eric Archambault, who is the managing partner and co-founder of Astonor Ventures, a global impact fund focused on the food and agriculture industry. They recently announced the closing of their second fund on 360 million euros, which I think is a record breaker for our industry. But Archambault, I mean, Eric, he is also, you know, a former Silicon Valley entrepreneur and engineer. He's had a lot of success in the technology industry in the past. So we caught up, it was a few months ago, at the Food Hack Conference in May. And we caught up to have a little look back on the last 10 years of investing in food tech and ag tech as part of a series that we're putting together to celebrate 10 years of Ag Funder, which will be later this year, and 10 years since the deal that really flung our industry into the spotlight, which was when Monsanto acquired the Climate Corporation for a billion dollars. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Eric. There is some background noise. We were at a conference, but please hang in there because he has a lot to say and I hope you enjoy it. So we did set up Astanor in 2017 with a vision that uh, the agri-foods you know, system, the agri-food market was going to go through a deep disruption that was needed to uh, move from a, a system that was delivering cheap calories to a system that would be able to deliver affordable nutrients to the world. Did you see the Monsanto acquisition of Climate Corporation as something that was pivotal for the ag tech industry? And do you think it lived up to its valuation and the impact that it had? It was pivotal in, in that sense that the investors and, and the institutional investors investing in funds like the one we launched could peg their expectation to, oh, okay, there are actual deals in that sector. But it has really remained an outlier in many ways. You know, it has not been uh, the thing bad, which makes a lot of sense because if you look at many other sectors that develop over years, it takes a while to get maturity in uh, both the the offer and the demand, uh, the demand from acquirers and the offer from companies that need to be maturing. I think we are getting there, and despite the gloom, I mean the gloom going on right now, companies have never been so you know developed and, and relevant for what the the larger companies are looking for, whether they are you know companies that are selling. I mean, big companies that are in the fertilizer business or companies that are in tractors business or people who are in food businesses, they see the need to move to something so disruptive that they don't have that in-house and they will be acquiring companies. So my prediction is, you know, we are entering a phase where in the next two to three years, we'll see, finally, after 10 years, we'll see the, uh, the beginning of, of that M&A Okay, but looking back again a little bit, how would you describe the last 10 years in agri-food tech? In how many words? <laughs> Do 20 words. 
I, I like to go back to the, because I, I can do that because I was there in the early days of the internet when we had a period of time. It really started in 94 with the the birth of Netscape, 95, the uh, IPO of Netscape. So, you know, different from, from today's or from the uh, agri-food tech space because you had exits relatively quickly. But you had a period where everything looked good. Everything looked like they were rising to the to the sky. Also, people would put money into pet.com or pets.com and there was not a lot of thoughts put into is that going to work from a margins point of view? Is that going to work from a uh, logistics point of view? Whatever it is. So we had that period, uh, I would say from 2019 to 21, maybe being of 22, so for three years, everything looked amazingly good from an investor point of view because we would put money on someone else would come after you and put money at higher price and kind of crazy. So finally, we're sobering up. Not that everyone wanted to sober up, but the market, inflation, tranquil mood, geopolitics in Ukraine, Russia, China have changed things dramatically. So we have been, we are back into a much healthier, even if there are disappointments and if some companies are going to die because of that, but it's a healthier market where entrepreneurs are much more mature in their plans and their understanding of where they can go and how. And technology is also uh, more mature and more interesting. So next generation plant-based companies are going to be much more interesting than the ones we saw five, six, seven years ago. And they are coming to the market soon. Vertical farming is getting uh, sobering up. There will be successful vertical farming companies, but they're going to be different from the one we envisioned not long ago with free capex and, and um, free energy, and that's not going to happen. And then there are many other new companies coming from synthetic biology, AI-based platform that accelerate the development of many things in ag and food. And I think this is just the beginning of a really, really interesting era. So, so I think the, the past 10 years were the equivalent of the late 90s for the internet. The current time is the equivalent of the, the dot-com crash. And then the next three, four years, starting probably next year, is going to be the beginning of a much more mature era for agri-food tech. So you, you started to talk a bit about it, um, the exit landscape. And it's something we've been debating a little bit with a few other people is why had there been such a lack of exits, sizable exits in our space? What do you think, and do you think there's a problem there, or is it just been a matter of timing? I think it's both, uh, the, the problem and the timing. So from a problem point of view, corporates are rational up to a point in their uh, corporate strategy or corporate development strategy. They will need to understand what is the end demand from their customers. Customers could be B2B customers and B2C customers. I mean, it could be consumers. And they need to understand what they are lacking in their own R&D groups, product development groups, that they really need to acquire that from the outside. That takes a few, some cycle. Uh, just the demand to be clear enough and, and the, the numbers to be clear enough takes a few years to, uh, to develop. And quite frankly, also, the companies 
were not that interesting either. I mean, let's face it, some of the early plant-based companies, alternative protein companies, some of the vertical farming companies were companies that were, you know, developing things with a lot of wishful thinking about what will happen down the road. And you have a lot of um, validation of some really key poles that, that needed to be there. I think we're getting very close to that. You know, and if you, uh, in our portfolio, we can see, for example, as some of the companies which had now time for, for example, several seasons to demonstrate that the, the crops benefits from their products or that some of the bioengineering that has been now validated from a regulatory point, all of these things took care. It's not antivirus software where you can push a button and then you have a thousand or a billion of the uh, implementation that can go. It's initially, it takes time. You need to build, you need to grow, you need to harvest, you need to measure. And that took a few years for, for that to mature. Which categories have been most successful for you from an investment standpoint? Because oh, okay. I was going to say the, the most successful categories are the least impactful ones. You know, it's 20 minute delivery or even yeah. if that was not that successful, it's definitely, you know, delivering food to your doorstep, which I understand the appeal from the consumer point of view, but for us as impact investors, that's not impactful. So that, that's all categories is not interesting for us. I would say that probably the, the most successful um, category has been around precision farming so far. We see a number of our investments there are really happening. And it's also about timing. We made a few investments in vertical farming. That was small investments really early on. And then there was a wave of interest in, into that, probably too early. It will come back. But the, the precision farming category, I think, is really happening. And we, from a Timing point of view, I think we're there on the right title. How is the fundraising landscape changed fast? Fundraising tends to be totally, I would say, definitely not objective and, and not predictable. For a few years, fundraising was crazily easy. And today, it's totally crazily difficult. So I think uh, the fundraising landscape for companies, but also for firms that are raising new funds, have, have stand, almost on a standstill. It's very difficult to get money for any company. It's very difficult to get money for any fund. Of course, there are exceptions. We're doing okay on our side. But what we see in our portfolio companies, those who are trying to raise money need to have a number of characteristics that were not being asked before. So you, I was talking to a person who not in our portfolio, a, a company, very respectable company in the plant-based space. Two years ago, they were pushed by their investors to investing growth, you know, revenue growth at all costs. Didn't matter whether you are losing money like there's no tomorrow. Actually, there was no tomorrow at the time. And today they are growing, you know, 5X during the year and investors are saying, we don't care. Where is your bottom line? You asked me to do that before and I said, yeah, but now we ask you to do it totally differently. So fundraising for companies that still need money and when you are a young company, coming up with something on the market, unlikely they're going to be profitable. But that's what investors are going to be looking at. They're going to be looking at the gross margins, they're looking at proof points on gross margin, customer attraction. And at the same time, they want to see a path, short path to profitability. Difficult to combine at the same time. So it's a very difficult, at least I would say for a while, 
And companies also, a number of founders and CEOs, have not come up to the reality of valuations yet. They are still working on the on ground, but there's no ground under the feet, and they're going to try to last as long as possible. So for that reason, I think the market is still in disequilibrium. There's no, the, the supply and demand is not there. Supply of money is asking for certain characteristics that they are not finding in the offer. And until the companies realize that it's a different game, until pricing has reached a, a bottom, which may not happen for another 12 months, maybe six months, 12 months, it's going to be difficult for companies to be funded. It's funny how quickly, so overnight, that changed from growth at all costs. To three months. It took three months. And people would almost laughed at you earlier on if you said you were worrying about profitability. They said, no, you just have to grow it. Yeah, overnight. But I remember this time last year, you said to me that Astor was getting about a million dollars of interest in your fund every day. <laughs> Is that still the case? I said every week. Every week. Every okay. week. All right. It's pretty much the case. It's still the case. Well, so on average. Okay, so it hasn't changed. No, it's more lumpy than, uh, you know, every week. But if I look on average, it's actually pretty accurate. Is agri-food tech by its nature impact? No, but it can be. So it, it really depends. Finding a new way to make a seven-story pig farm more efficient is not necessarily impactful, but it's an agri-food tech investment. So you need to look at internationality. And you need to look at what we call the impact unit economics. So is your unit, you know, the one unit of your product or service impactful in its nature so that when you're going to grow and, and, and scale, your company is going to be impactful. So we're looking at that. And mostly you need, because there are lots of, there are lots of things which are counterintuitive when you start looking at the entire picture in your life cycle analysis of a product. You can be really surprised that, for example, a Nespresso capsule is most probably more environmentally and socially friendly than using brown coffee or even you know, beans in your homegrown, I mean, homebrew system, and you're going to be using that and that. Because the most negative environmental impact in, is in the, not the packaging, bizarrely, I mean, it's kind of intuitive, but you start measuring, you see. It's really about the energy you're using to actually brew your coffee and obviously where your coffee is coming from and how. But the volume of the coffee is important. And actually Nespresso managed to optimize, not because they initially wanted to be that impactful, but because they, from a cost point of view, they made the, um, the little capsule amazingly efficient with the least amount of coffee possible and the least amount of energy coming from your machine. So you're going to get a very environmentally and socially friendly coffee cup from your Nespresso, much more than what you are doing with the beans. Thank goodness. <laughs> I have Nespresso every day. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the opposite. No, yeah. that's the counterintuitive part. When you start measuring, it's about data. When you really want to look at impact, you need data. You cannot, that's why, you know, like my background is data, data mining, data analysis. So I love that what we are doing with impact measurement because we're going down to the roots of where is the data. And that's what we've been doing with Astana is really going there. And that we routinely get surprised by the, uh, by the actual, you know, where is the impact coming from? And then going to the root of that and helping the companies we're investing to be even more impactful by looking at where they should put their efforts in the procurement or in the technology. And... Where are the gaps in data for you 
in measuring impact? That's a very good question. There's still a lot of uh, holes in the supply chains. So getting the data from some of the growers or some of the um, so what, you know, people who are transforming is not always easy to get that data. So uh, when you have a big hole in, your, in the supply chain and you are using average data instead of the actual data, it can screw up the entire thing. I'll give you an example. A lot of people are using, when they do alternative protein, they're going to compare themselves to the worst case beef coming from Brazil, deforestation, lots of things, so on. And, and yes, you're going to be in the 90s uh, in terms of, you know, uh, CO2 uh, emission per, per kilo. But maybe the thing they need to compare themselves is, is a more local supply of beef and maybe a more local supply of things and so on. But they may not have access to that data. So they are using this average. And then you get, either way, it could be exaggerated or it could be undervalued, and, but it's not accurate. And so you, you, we really need to get to the next step. And that's what we are trying to do on a daily basis. So about 30 billion was invested in agri-food tech last year and about 50 billion the year before. Is it enough and how much should it be? It all depends where it goes to. If it goes to um, your next uh, fast food delivery in China, I'm not sure that's, you know, that's, uh, that's not very impactful. It's great for a number of people, but it's enough in, uh, if you put that money to play into companies that are really going to make the system challenge, in our case, in the more, most impactful way. But I think we're far away from having saturated the, uh, the, the market there. There's so many new, really inspiring founders that are coming up with the, uh, you know, new ideas, access to technology that is really needed to make things move. Could be in products, could be in ingredients, could be in uh, making the agriculture a better place, better for farmers, better for, for the environment. I think we could probably use a hundred billion a year in overall in the entire supply chain because what, what is really missing today is not the early stage, you know, seed, series A and series B. I think we have quite a few players that are providing more. It's really for the, the bigger tickets, the um, 50 million to 100 million or more. There's not enough money to be put there. And, and so the big rounds that will help those companies escape, you know, reach escape velocity and, and, and have an opportunity to have a sustainable path that are not necessarily going to be acquired right away, but could develop into a bigger company. We don't have enough of that. So yes, we need more. So this is a bit of a cheeky question, I put you on the spot, but what role has AgFunder and AgFunder News had in the last 10 years of AgriVue Tech? Great role, of course. No, I think you, uh, I remember at the very early days, as we were mulling about Astana around 2014-15, we started to get the newsletter, at the time was the only newsletter as well. But that was already by itself a, a great way to realize, oh, wow, there are other people thinking about it and there are other people doing things. And, and that was by itself, I think it was a catalyst for many people, including ourselves from Real Just and all. That was used by us internally, were used by us to show to potential investors or even people that we were talking to, 
because I was thinking, you know, going into a non-existing sector. Well, no, it does exist. Look, look at what every week or every month at the time, you know, you guys were coming. And then you decided to have this, um, the deal, uh, the yearly investment report uh, that was very, very useful for everyone. So, no, I think you, you really played a, a great role in making sure the, there was an ecosystem that started to, to grow around and understanding what, what we were. But talking about that ecosystem, something I'm often thinking about at the moment is, you know, we've had growth, we've got had growing subscribers, traffic is growing to the websites and so on, but it's it's not growing as fast as it used to. And I speak to a lot of other people that are in media in the industry, their subscriber bases are churning a lot. The industry just doesn't feel like it's growing as much as you might expect it to. Why do you think agri-food tech is still seen as a niche market. I mean, I, again, I know anecdotally speaking to friends of mine, they sort of laugh a bit about me being in my agriculture industry or every food, you know, but this is the industry that feeds the planet. So what do you think needs to change to make this an even bigger industry that feels relevant to me? So again, I'm going to take the analogy of the internet in, um, so there was this hype in, as you know, in 99, big hype, 2000, big hype, and then this thing burst. Today, Everyone agrees that some of the biggest changes in the past 20 years were linked to the internet and, and many companies that become giants today, whether it's Facebook, Google, but also many companies that are, have been transformed from a supply chain point of view. I mean, it's you know, real time supply chain, all of that was, would not be possible without that. In 2001, there were people saying, you know, you saw this internet stuff was a toy, it was like a dream, it doesn't exist, forget about it, you know, let's go back to, you know, pen and paper and everything. 2001, 2002, people were saying that. So there, there was a, a period where people were saying that will never exist. And at the same time, you had John Doe from Clyde Perkins in 2000, in 99, 2000, saying, the, you know, the, is the internet overhyped? They said, no, it's underhyped. And he was totally right past this this gap, by 2010, it was totally right. So I think we are going through the same level of disillusion right now. People lost money in a few deals, or people lost money in the stock market, buying into the super high price of Beyond Meat, and maybe a few others, maybe some old things that were a bit overpriced. And now, you know, you have those, people are very vocal, say, you know, lost of money, finished. We have a few investors that we talked to recently that say, no, you know, this no one put money in that sector. This sector is, doesn't exist. It's not going to. There's a number of people who believe that today. And uh, and therefore, there's less less hype, less interest, and people are retracting for it. I think they'll be retracting for another year or two. My prediction is going to start again, though. And, but differently, more mature, more fact-based, more based on you know, profitability and, and real market take-up. So it's still a vintage year to invest in agri-food tech. So Green so, quote you gave me earlier this year. No, <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think, as I said, with a caveat of still many companies have not come up with terms with the new, the new world of valuation. So with that caveat, we still see companies that are insisting on some valuation that we think are not defensible. But that being said, I think we're, we're getting finally into a equilibrium between the supply and demand, and I think we should be there shortly. You've been listening to Future Food with me, Louisa Boa-Taylor. 
For news and insights on the food tech and ag tech industries, go to agfundernews.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.